Hi, this is Joe Van Wee, your host of All Better. I had a few announcements. If you're interested in subscriber content, which we're about to launch, this would be step workshops, cognitive behavioral therapy tools, and mindfulness practices that are approachable and can be very useful in reducing anxiety, rumination, and depression. Please send us a, a message on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And if you like the episodes that you've been hearing very much, please stop by Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and a small review. This helps us stay relevant in the field of content and helping people and their families with substance use disorder. Thank you. Hello, and thanks for listening to another episode of All Better. I'm your host, Joe Van Wee. Today's guest is attorney Frank J. Bullock, Jr., Frank has practiced civil and criminal law throughout Northeastern Pennsylvania for almost 43 years. In addition to his law practice, Bullock serves as the president, CEO of Treatment Court Advocacy Center of Lackawanna County, a Pennsylvania nonprofit corporation, uh, and he's also the project director of the Recovery Bank, which we'll speak about today. It's a community recovery resource center developed by the Treatment Court Advocacy the mission of the Treatment Court Advocacy is to assist treatment court participants in alleviating obstacles to their compliance with the requirements of treatment court and also to assist the participants in engaging fully in their recovery. The Recovery Bank, Community Recovery Resource Center, uh, has as its mission connecting treatment court participants and people new to recovery with peers in long-term recovery and recovery resources. Um, Frank is also served as assistant district attorney with the Lackawanna County District Attorney's Office, where he prosecuted a wide variety of criminal cases ranging from homicide to misdemeanor offenses, compiling an outstanding record of success as a prosecutor. Following several years as an assistant district attorney, Attorney Bullock began his criminal defense practice, which continues throughout the Pennsylvania federal court systems. Additionally, Bullock has served as special advocate to the Lackawanna County Treatment Court. Today, Frank comes in to talk about the genesis of the Recovery Bank and how that came about. Uh, Frank is a friend, and we get to speak about this over the course of three decades, where Frank was introduced to service. And with that experience, he was able to help shepherd the recovery bank with a lot of other great people. Let's meet Frank. Hi, and here we're here with Frank Bullock from the recovery bank. Uh, I've known Frank, uh, I don't know, since I'm a child because yeah. of my parents, small yeah. Scranton town. <laughs> And if I'm not mistaken, I think you, you might have helped my mother in her separation and divorce. I, I think that story was rattling around in my head for my youth. <laughs> Frank helped out. But Frank's here today. And what we wanted to discuss is the Recovery Bank. It's located in downtown Scranton. And this is a phenomenal story of how it started. Frank having a vision, being a part of an organization and a board that got an opportunity to 
acquire a property and build a community center that was dynamic, involved uh, with the co- recovery community, could center around and have events. Uh, I'm going to let Frank tell this story and where this recovery bank is going. So I want to thank you for coming in today, Frank. Well, thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. The pleasure's uh, mine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and thanks for having me on. And I, of course, love talking about recovery and, and my own recovery and and the uh, and the recovery bank and, and treatment court advocacy center of Lackawanna County, which is the nonprofit uh, corporation that I was privileged to be part of the formation of it back in 2008. And uh, basically the mission of Treatment Court Advocacy Center was to assist the treatment court participants in Lackawanna County, treatment court, specialty courts, as they move from an addictive lifestyle to a sober lifestyle. When we formed the board, we were pretty much looking to to, uh, provide uh, uh, funding or unfunded needs of people in treatment court. So if they needed housing assistance or transportation or clothing or school, school, that kind of stuff. So from 2008 to 2018, it was an all volunteer board. We had no staff. We uh, basically would do fundraising, do some grant writing and uh, attempt to help the treatment court team, the actual probation team, the, uh, the judges, uh, as they were developing policy and as they were looking to, to just kind of help people along. Yeah. Um, we, we arrived in, in 2018, the board did, and we had a Saturday retreat, like a brainstorming session on my board are a number of people like myself who are on long-term recovery. And, and, you know, we were thrilled to be part of the, uh, the, the, the helping uh, uh, mission that we have with Treatment Court Advocacy Center. But our, our kind of way in to the rest of the board, which is comprised of judges and DAs and public defenders and uh, people on the treatment court team, was that there, there, there's more we thought we should do, more that we knew that we could do yeah. uh, to help the process. Um, and and The from- process of going through treatment court. Yes. It could be a year to up to five. Yeah, right? it's, typic- yeah. it's typically um, somewhere around two years. Two you years. Know, sometimes okay. it could be a little bit longer. Sometimes it could be a little bit less. But there are phases. And, and the object is of treatment court participants is to meet uh, the goals that the treatment court team, including the judge, develops uh, for those folks. You know, whether it's to find employment, get back to school, reunite with their family course real help yeah don't reoffend yeah uh you know and uh and and in the system really works you know it's the accountability that the judge judge brace who's really the the, the wizard behind the yeah. treatment court uh, movement in pennsylvania and in throughout the, the country the really nation yeah. yeah we use that word a lot drug court well drug courts are judicially supervised court dockets that provide a sentencing alternative of treatment combined with supervision for people living with serious substance use disorder. Drug courts are problem-solving courts that take a public health approach using a specialized model in which the judiciary, prosecution, defense, bar, probation, law enforcement, mental health, social service, and treatment communities work together to help addicted offenders into long-term recovery. 
the effectiveness in the United States. Uh, drug courts are often touted as the single most successful intervention in U.S. history for leading people struggling with serious addiction out of the justice system and into lives of health and long-term recovery. One study shows that 70% of those who are sent to prison rather than a drug court return to drug use following release. Oftentimes, drug courts are the only avenue for entry into treatment in the United States for those who do not have sufficient financial resources to pay for their own treatment. While the average national completion rate for drug court participants in one study was nearly 60%, two-thirds higher than probation or more than twice the rate of probationers with severe substance use disorder. Different courts will show different outcomes. There is also evidence of reduced recidivism through drug courts. Later in the season, uh, Judge Brace will be coming on to speak to the nation's model of drug courts is Lackawanna County and its, its success and exponential growth since its inception. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Joe Van Wee. the host of All Better. I'm also the CEO of Fellowship House. Now, Fellowship House, we believe long-term recovery requires a personality change as well as a clinical intervention. These ideas can take several months to achieve. Our philosophy is to provide a safe, therapeutic, and exceedingly active environment for patients to achieve these personality changes and find joy in the fellowship of recovery, which will allow for long-term sobriety. We believe that recovery extends beyond treatment and peer-to-peer communities into real life. In Fellowship House, we provide a design for living that focuses on education and service. We have strong relationships with the 12 universities and vocational schools in the area and ensure that our fellows pursue their personal goals while entering sobriety. We also stress independence and responsibility making sure each individual is financially solid and self and helping to make their community a better place. As a treatment center, Fellowship House offers both residential and outpatient treatment services to individuals and families affected by addiction and alcoholism. We're a DDAP licensed provider of general outpatient, intensive outpatient, and partial hospitalization programming as well as a level of care assessments. If you want to find out more information about Fellowship House, please visit fellowshiphouses.com. Um, is, you know, uh, y- y- yes, we're going to give people a, a chance, people who would otherwise have a felony conviction forever. Or pigeonholed in criminality that are suffering yeah. from a disorder. Yeah. 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 So, so here's the deal. We, you can earn the expungement of your record, but you need to abide by these rules. Sure. And the judge and the treatment court team are very serious about accountability. So there are, there are, uh, uh certainly there are rewards that are, uh, dispensed, but there are sanctions, you know, person, uh, misses an appointment, okay. uh, fails a drug test, uh, 
you know, doesn't, uh, you know, attend meetings, mm-hmm. there's a consequence. And sometimes sometimes to the treatment. Yeah. Sometimes the consequence is, yeah, go to jail. Yeah. Sometimes it's a person being dismissed from, from treatment. Court, and going you know? back into the regular yeah. legal system, not yeah. the drug court. Yep. Yeah. So it is very successful. The success rate, probably 87, 88%. It's uh, phenomenal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it works all the way around. Uh, taxpayers save money. You know, it's, uh, it's humane. It's humane. It gives people a chance and they yeah. can earn the expungement of the record. But the folks on the board, including myself, what, what we observed about treatment court participants uh, is that they would, in many instances, come to recovery meetings and they would just kind of blend into the woodwork, you know, they'd get their paper signed yeah. and they'd leave. Uh, not everybody. Some people would, would become but engaged. No or, center of a continual engagement. No, I don't know that they fully understood the language of recovery or yeah. what it was about. They were just going through that motion of, well, I have to get my paper signed. Yeah. Um, not everybody. And some people really did well. they embraced recovery. They, they were very successful. No, there was a uh, 12-step community, a little backlash. What are all these papers being said? But uh, that's always settled down. But I yeah. remember that being, yeah. that was an issue in the late 80s, 90s. Like, sure. where, where, we have nothing to do with the court systems. Right. But I think that growing pain has passed. Yeah. But, but we said, uh, we, the uh, other members of uh, recovery communities on our, our board said, you know, we, we think we, there's a way we can maybe help to help uh, treatment court participants to become more engaged in their recovery, to, to embrace recovery. Yeah. Uh, and we started talking about just uh, really trying to connect people. We have uh, lots of friends who are in recovery yeah. who are interested in helping because it helps their recovery. Just we're, like, yeah, we're pretty spoiled here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Recovery wise. Yeah. Uh, it's a long uh, community history of a community in 12 steps that we have a dignified court system, many treatment centers. I, I think we're not regular. We're, we're not the average here. Of, I don't know. Of reco- <laughs> understanding of recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. So we went, you know, we observed that, um, and uh, we thought, gee, if we could, if we could bring people together, uh, people who have experienced recovery successfully, with new people, wouldn't that wouldn't that yeah. be uh, a, a helpful thing? You know, in my own case, just to, uh, you know, I was uh, privileged and honored and so blessed to be in recovery now uh, since 1986. Yeah, um, I started my recovery journey uh, a little bit. Prior to that, I had uh, somewhat of a uh, rocky start. I sure. was uh, reluctant to recover, as they said. So I, uh, I did uh, manage to get to treatment in 1985, and I learned about alcoholism, even though I was living in it. Yeah. <laughs> but I learned ab- about the way out. Uh, intellectually, I guess I'd say I understood it, but I, I had some trouble really putting it into to, to my life. And so, so I struggled. Uh, I ended up uh, a year later coming back into treatment after uh, a, a relapse. And and sometime after that, some months after that, uh, I received a call from uh, really a, a famous lawyer who who uh, said, 
you know, I'm, I'm in recovery. I've been in recovery for a long time. This guy was reached from, out to from, you. Yeah. From Philadelphia. He said, I understand you're, you're doing well in recovery. So at first I was paranoid. Like, yeah. who told him what that? What list yeah, am I yeah, on? Yeah, what list? <laughs> and he said, well, um, yeah, whatever. I, you know, I'm, I've, I get up to Northeastern Pennsylvania. And, and so I hear about that. He said, and so we're, we've been trying for about 10 years. We meaning the lawyers who are in recovery in Pennsylvania to develop a, peer recovery uh, system for lawyers. And, you know, we've had our struggles, you know, sure. it's the whole Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh, who's going to get on top. Rates, we, we, hourly rates, yeah, fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, th we think if we could get uh, a younger person from the hinterlands who's in recovery, like you, Frank, uh, maybe, maybe that'll help. And, and they did reach out to some other people. So we had more of a geographic balance that was invited to a, meeting to talk about how are we going to do this thing for attorneys. Yeah. It yeah. ended up being called lawyers concerned for lawyers. Does it still exist? It still exists. And, oh, and yeah. uh, so I was a young lawyer at the time, an yeah. older lawyer now. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I, I remember saying to my sponsor at the time, Leo V, I said, Leo, that uh, I'm down here. There's lawyers. I mean, I, they're just fab fabulous, famous lawyers. They've all been in recovery at that point for 20, 30 years. And he was, yeah, no, yeah, of course, you know, yeah. Uh, and I said, uh, and they're still able to practice and do uh, wonderful things. He said, yeah, that might happen for you too. Yeah. You know? Lawyer, for lawyers you. and chefs, yeah. good parties, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so the name of the group, uh, the, the name of the organization uh, was and still is Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers. Is that statewide or is, is that statewide? a national organization? Um, well, it's it, Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers of Pennsylvania is a statewide organization. Okay. And it was really a a front runner in the idea of peer recovery support for lawyers. Um, when I told Leo the, uh, the name of it and he said, well, what was it again? He said, I, I said, it's lawyers concerned for lawyers. He said, perfect. He said, cause who the heck else care, cares about you? Um, he said, sort of, I think yeah, that's there's not chicken. enough yeah. lawyer jokes in the yeah, world. I know. I know. Um, so, so I'm, you know, privileged to be a founding member of that organization, which is, thriving today. And that connected, was that the first thing that connected you to distinct service? Like there's something outside of just my regular personal program of recovery. Like I could, I could do something. Yeah. It's combating stigma, yeah. adding specialized privacy to my profession. Right. And, yeah. and that's what it was. You know, it was, it's first. you know, to try to help uh, lawyers participate in interventions, help lawyers get into treatment, uh, help them, you know, sometimes the lawyer has to go to treatment and they have a caseload. Well, our volunteer yeah. group. So that's complex. It, it, was, it was pretty neat, you know. Yeah. So that was in the, you know, uh, mid eighties, and 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 that organization has grown and and for many, decades, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so that I had that experience. Boy, you know, we yeah we're in recovery, but you know we we also share this other thing, our profession, and. It made a difference. It helped my recovery. It's just uh, experience you know, yeah. adding up to come to this, the yeah. genesis of the yeah. recovery bank. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So, so, uh, so anyhow, you know, I, in my practice, um, I was an assistant district attorney many, many years ago on that side of the law. Yeah. And, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> the as man. my, as my alcoholism progressed, um, and then after, actually, as I got into treatment and, and into recovery, I started to do more criminal defense. Yeah. Get and, with the pirates. Yeah. Get away from the squares, Frank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, you know, what, what started to develop just in my law practice was 
uh, the idea of what, what uh, we were calling the recovery defense. It really isn't a defense. It was using a person's recovery as a mitigating factor in sentencing. You know? So this, that idea that you're yeah. saying that's internal, that's your office. Yeah. But it now, this is an institution now, but yeah. originally that's. Yeah. So, wow. So, uh, but it yeah. just makes sense. Like, cause you're in recovery and you're sitting, this has to be a recovery. There's, yeah. Wow. I didn't. Yeah. So that's I, interesting. Yeah. I went from, how can I be a lawyer and be in recovery to, well, I'm in recovery and I can now incorporate lots of the things of my recovery into my professional yeah. life. What year yeah. was this? So that that I would have been wanna, 1986, 1987. Let me explore this because yeah. that's the late eighties, right? Yeah. yeah. War on drugs is is just booming. It's being the infrastructure is just being exponential every two years of budgets for law enforcement right. tactics. And in Scranton, you're designing the idea of a recovery defense in, in a criminal case. Yeah. And you, uh, Judge Michael Brace, you're coming up in the system together. And this is just making sense to you that, wait a minute, where does the line of criminality versus mental health. Where is it being drawn? Because the laws aren't matching the help that's needed. This this is all kind of a working pieces coming together. This this interests me because you're the guys that started to say, peel this away from straight criminality. People are suffering. Yeah. Wow. So so interesting, um um Judge Michael Barace was was district attorney Michael Barace in that time period. And, you know, was and is a law and order yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, you know? he is. Um, so I would come in with my, you know, recovery uh, uh, talk. Your hippie uh, defense uh, at that uh, point? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, not because I did such a great job of presenting it, but I think because yeah. he was perceptive enough to say, gee, you know, this could actually work. And some of the people that he's brilliant, that, he's a brilliant guy. Yeah, they gave an opportunity. They, they were successful and their success helped to kind of move things along. Yeah. Um, so then a couple of years later, DA Brace becomes uh judge Brace and I'm still pitching away my recovery yeah, demands again, again, not it's a not, good fight yeah, though. Yeah, and it's, it, it's not, not saying to the judge, Hey, forgive this person because they were uh, addicted or alcoholic, but they are now in recovery and uh, things are changing. So let's look at look value. At that, you know, the value of this is different. Yeah. The criminality is going to yeah. disappear. The criminality is being caused by a disorder yeah. of death. Yeah. And it wasn't just me, uh, uh, you know, preaching that it was, sure. it was guys like Nick Colangelo and, and he actually introduced me to some lawyers in Texas who, who actually uh, coined the phrase, the recovery defense and, and kind of helped me to, put that together. But it's a story. Uh, it's, it just doesn't seem accessible to me. I'm in recovery 20 years. I've known you. Um, I didn't know the details of this story yeah. and it's interesting. This is how policy and culture and society changes. And this is how stigma disappears. Yeah. That right. you, you know, it, it could be uncomfortable going around your peers and colleagues. I'm an alcoholic. I'm in recovery. You don't do that. <laughs> or you're defending someone saying, well, you want them to get off? What could yeah. some uh, drug addict yeah. is now not responsible for his crime. Right. Yeah. And it's not the story you're presenting. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And, and, you know, I didn't then and don't now walk around, you know, with the sandwich board on like <laughs> saying, Hey, I'm the, I'm the uh, uh, recovering lawyer in the community. That's not, 
No. That's not the way I, I operate. I'm pretty, I've never seen that. Yeah. But, uh, but you also have a reputation, though, of understanding. Uh, I've called you multiple times. You're, you're, you're the list of people <laughs> that understands. You'll understand a client that might not understand himself at that point. And yeah. You could help. Yeah. So I don't normally lead with a client saying, of hey, course. I'm in recovery. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it, it never comes out that directly. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Sometimes I know yeah. uh, because a lot of the people that I deal with are people who are kind of wired just like I am. And, and I think I can can help them a little you bit. Let, and if I think it can help, then I reveal my my recovery. You let that. intuition yeah. kind of guide your yeah. hand there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so it's uh, it's really, it's been... Uh, just kind of working out what I was told, which was, look, just focus on your recovery. The rest of the stuff will take care of itself. And it really did. My practice, you know, uh, just in, increased exponentially as my recovery did. You know, and I used to say, you know, I can I can see the, uh, the progress in my practice uh, as I move along because of the number of file cabinets and yeah. back when we had file cabinets and closed files, yeah. you know, uh, from the, the years when I was in my addiction and I was actually doing good work as a, a lawyer, just not enough of it. Cause I was sidetracked with, uh, you know, with drinking. Uh, I, I want to pause uh, right there yeah. because we were, we were talking off mic of, that's, that is an expression that people in recovery say, focus on recovery first. And that's, that's a huge, broad idea. If someone doesn't know what recovery, yeah. what does that mean? Just not drink. But there's a lot in there, in those few words. And I know what that means. And we were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, we're spoiled in that sense. I can't solve my problems like a normal person. When I uh, stopped drinking, I thought drinking was the problem and I was out of money. Or, or these scenarios, the other external fires. And every time I tried with great effort to solve those problems, like anyone else would consider, they got worse. Yeah. And when we talk about a spiritual prose, the spookiness could be taken out of it by that, those few words, focus on recovery first. What's that? Being involved in the community, facing off with some, my relationship problems, forget the money, everything else. That's where I feel spoiled and grateful when I'm in that zone. This is what matters. All the other problems kind of, they start to solve organically. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. We're lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. <laughs> yes. Very lucky. And, and I wish in my own case, I could say, well, gee, you know, I've experienced that. I know that. And, and, and good. Let me just go from there. But, but the way I'm wired is I still need to be very, very active in my recovery yeah. in order to, to, to maintain perspective on my life and, and be able to stay in that place where, you know, really uh, recovery is the most important thing in my life. I have a beautiful family, wonderful yeah. children, you know, uh, great relationships with, you know, friends and colleagues and whatever. Um, but it all comes back to, yeah. yeah and I can blow that's, all that if I don't. That's the eye line for, for me yeah. and you, when I lose it, I, I yeah. my relationships suffer. Yeah. I feel cheated. Yeah. I have a really bad yeah. <laughs> things yeah. start to change. Yeah. I don't I'm not even drinking. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. And, and for me, you know, it lasts about a day or two. Like if I'm <laughs> yeah. not at a meeting every day, uh, or, uh, or talking to pe other people in recovery or doing something about recovery. Yeah. Parts of every day. Yeah. I can, I can lose touch with that. I can get overwhelmed really easy. I can, you know, get off the, the beam. So I know that, uh, 
uh, and I have people around me who know that about me and I've given them license to, yeah. to reel me back in. And it's, it's good. It's good. You know? Me too. Yeah. I, I, I was <laughs> talking to Nick about it. Um, to have someone, I, my, my sponsor, we're not like friend, friends, we're AA, we're recovery friends. He says things to me, my friend, my friends I grew up with wouldn't say to me, like challenge me. Hey, you're being selfish. You're not looking at this the right way, but that is the, I don't know, long lasting guardrail to, to my own thinking being the final analysis. I don't feel like I've lost privacy or will. I feel like my life's more enriched because I'm part of this community. Someone can challenge me. Yeah. You're not doing well, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, um, we, we, we left off, <laughs> you had this 2008, you're on a board. It's yeah. a nonprofit. It's yep. a, it's filling the gaps in funding, say for housing and needs of people that are now in the drug court, getting a chance to complete a program that's clinical, but it's being administered by the court. If they complete it, they can get their criminal record expunged. That's right. You're part of a board that's filling the gaps of certain other needs that could help this experience for, for that person who might not have the resources. You're Correct. filling the gaps from county funding, having fundraisers. You have a weekend retreat. And in this retreat, the idea of the recovery bank is born. Um, How would you so, describe so that? It, it was the idea of we have to intensify peer-to-peer -peer connections. How are we going to do that? Peer-to-peer -peer connections. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where are we going to have a center? Where are we going to uh, call it the recovery? That that came That's later. Gonna, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was it was the idea of connection because really, in my own experience and the experience of the other um, people on in, on my board that are in recovery, it was um, the, finally the ability to connect with somebody else that helped us in our recovery. Many times, I didn't want to be connected. I wanted to <laughs> isolate, but I had people. I mentioned Nick and Leo and 10 other uh, people who, yeah. who would show up on my doorstep and, and would say, let's go, we're doing this. We're gonna... And somewhere along the way, instead of them dragging me, kicking and screaming, it was like, Oh, this is okay. Like I'm, I'm part of something here. You wake and, up. Yeah. You kind of wake up. Yeah. I feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that really helped me. And as time went on, I was seeing, Less and less of that. I was seeing people because the pace of life, you know, just really uh, sped up. And so you spend less time lost in thought. You're, yeah, you're actually, you're busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so is everybody else. Yeah. You know, the, the world is spinning faster where we got all these uh, uh, methods of communicating, but that people were being less and less connected. And, yeah, and so, so we were, we, we were, we were saying, look, we got to be able to get more FaceTime with people slow them down a little bit, get, you know, and, and that was kind of what we talked about. And then, you know, we had the fundraiser and then had an opportunity uh, to, to submit a proposal uh, to community care behavioral health, which is a local uh, entity. Here. And they're large. And yeah. I, annually they distribute, I would, you know, somewhere up to two to $300 million oh. in clinical mental health services um, and a, a bulk is a, a portion of that's drug and alcohol treatment for Lackawanna and Luzerne County with 36 counties. Yeah. So this organization, um, you, this is who you're proposing this peer to peer. <laughs> yes. They had, they had uh, community care behavioral health, CCBH 
had accumulated a fund uh, from savings that they had uh, accumulated because of what they do. They're the they gatekeeper for job. behavioral health. Uh, Jim Gavin, Tina Wydeen, their staff. Uh, and, and they had this awesome. idea of which, you know, the, the idea of a peer community recovery resource center was starting to crop up in other parts of the country. Philadelphia uh, had uh, yeah. and Bucks County had them and they Canada. Yeah. It was, you know, just, a, just a little footnote that I, that idea as I got articulate to it, uh, it was data driven Yeah, and it was data driven by talking to addicts uh, from the bottom of late stage addiction, homeless, destitute, no resources to middle-class working insurance, alcoholism, you know, maybe, you know, the first stage of addiction, but the message was clear of what you're saying, disconnection. Yeah. Where can we, and peer to peer being what, why is that distinct? Peer to peer has no power. We're on the level. Yeah. I'm you, you're, you're me, but guess what? I, something's changed for me. Yeah. Can I share that with you? If you don't want it, we're not selling cars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, of course that's not a particularly uh, novel idea. It, it is actually the fundamental idea of Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. one alcoholic helping the other. Exactly. 1935, yeah. when, when AA was founded, that's, that was the, the, the main point and continues to be. Um, so, so we just thought we, we, we got to develop this. We got to amp this up in community care, behavioral health made that possible for oh, us. That's awesome. We, we began a search for a location. Where are we going to do this? What we, year are we at now? It is 2018. So f- we, you had a, a retreat. In May develop, of 2018. Develops to proposal. Let's yeah. get a place. Yeah. And let's, let's make these programs that are starting to be kicked around and all these discussions, peer-to-peer, career services. Right. So this start, now you're looking for a place? We're looking for a place. We're, we're also traveling down to Philadelphia, to Bucks County, to their recovery support centers, we're looking at what they're doing. Uh, uh, were you excited? excited? What you were seeing? Oh, tremendous! And you know, there there is a, a, a fabulous uh, recovery support center in North Philadelphia uh, that we visited. There's one in Bucks County. They're both operated by the same uh, entity, but they're t- so different because their communities are so different. Um, but we took a little bit from each of those. Interesting. Yeah. We, we read tremendous amounts of materials about other success stories, Connecticut, Massachusetts, where they had centers. And then we, we had the benefit of, of uh, a consultant, uh, Bev Haberly, who had been really involved in the, in the development of that recovery support yeah. uh, communities in southeastern Pennsylvania, who kind of helped us along. And they're not cookie cutter. The intelligence is they're tailored. It's the community, it's the community center. That yeah. Everyone's a little different. Yeah. So, uh, so we, so we start looking around for, for a space and we thought we had a place and that didn't work out. So we kind of stumbled upon what was the uh, former third national, third national bank, bank. 120 Wyoming mm-hmm. Avenue. Coincidentally, at one point I had a law office in this building. You did? Yeah, I did. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. So that uh, building, you know, where even where our law office had been, had been vacant at that point for about eight or nine years. The wow. bank hadn't used the facility no. in thirty or so years, but the proper property is very well preserved. There's a jewelry store uh, 
Yeah. Levy Jewelers. It's yeah. been there throughout everything. Still there. Um, anyhow, we, we, uh, we met with uh, John Basiliga, who's the, was the owner of the property. Yeah. And yeah, he's uh, good visions for, he, yeah. He's and, a visionary. And, and talk to him about what it is we're looking to do and how much space we're going to need. The building is a huge building. Um, we ended up uh, leasing 10,000 square feet in, in a building that's 30,000 square feet. We were on the first and second floor of the, of the building to develop this peer support yeah. center. Yeah. We, uh, we ended up uh, putting in our lease arrangement an option to purchase the building. We weren't sure how things sure. were going to go, but we thought, well, let's, let's see how it goes. We, we have some ideas for this other space in the building, which I talk about in a minute. Okay. But, um, so, so this was 2018 into 2019. We uh, invited in a vision team uh, comprised of many of our provider partners in the community who had worked with treatment court advocacy over the years, okay. you know, outpatient facilities, inpatient facilities, other people in the recovering community come together we're sitting in this space at 120 Wyoming Avenue and we're talking about, well, what are we going to call this place? And where there's a, there's a bunch <laughs> of different names that we're coming up with. And somebody says, well, gee, we're in a bank. Why don't we call it the recovery bank? It's a great name. Yeah. It's so, a bank. Yeah. It's the, so, so the, we, we, everybody says, that's it. Recovery that's bank. It. Yeah. And then somebody says, well, and the tagline could be where, where we make the right change. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so just kind of there. That's it. Is, it, you know? it fits. There it it fits. Yeah. A good idea is universal. Yeah. It just, it yeah. gels. Yeah. So we get the space ready, you know, all volunteers. I mean, the community pulls together. We go in, we paint the place, clean it up, paint, paint it, get it all. I put, some, I was, I got roped in. I yeah. put a couple chairs together. Yes, to you go. did. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and then developed programming and all the advice we got was look, just yeah. focus on, focus on the programming, do everything you can to get people in here, m make it accessible uh, information for families, information for the community, yeah. recovery skills, life skills, fun. 2019 yeah. momentum. Yeah. Vision. Yeah. A lot of people gelling and, you know, having a collaboration, which is hard in yeah. itself, even to help other people to collaborate. Not everyone has the same ideas. Right. This is gelling. Yeah. Big, yeah. big changes. Yeah. So you're leasing. Releasing. Uh, things are going great guns. Uh, we're moving along through 2019. I mean, really um, hundreds of people, thousands of people through. I mean, we're doing programming, everything from typical yeah. It was exciting. Uh, uh, recovery meetings. And we acknowledge and honor all pathways to recovery. So we have yep. Smart Recovery, uh, Celebrate Recovery, AA, NA. I saw Dharma and Refuge material there. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's picking up. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. I've, I've gone online. Yeah. Um, I really liked it, Frank. I mean, yeah. it helped me meditate. Yeah. Um, we, we do meditation. We do yoga. Acupuncture. Uh, I've done yoga down there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been to a cooking class, Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's one of our most. Uh, you have a book uh, signing tonight. Book signing. This will air after it yeah. for Tony uh, Quinn. Yeah. And it's it's active. Things are happening. It yeah. looks beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but this is pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so we we are moving along 
Um, and, uh, you know, in 2019, you know, uh, the other thing we try to do is reduce stigma. So through the Recovery Bank Treatment Court Advocacy Center and all of our peer providers who are on mm-hmm. this visiting team, we, we conduct the first ever recovery walk in Lackawanna County. Yeah. That's September of 2019. Yeah. I think we had 450 people. It was yeah. the pictures. I wasn't able to attend and I'm, you know, I was just getting back yeah. into my mind. Yeah. Um, I was coming down there. I was still drinking yeah. and I wanted to help because it's my community. Yeah. I'm just nuts right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. It was, it was great. It was what we yeah, needed. It was great. You know, we were television coverage, all kinds of coverage. Uh, uh, we had the Scranton uh, uh, showmobile out yeah, in front yeah, of the place, closed the street down, fire department, police department, Helped us uh, block the streets. Let this the, is let the, the same break. street in the seventies. You probably stumbled up and day. It was a uh, it was a pirate's <laughs> town. Now you're in front of a recovery bank. Yeah. bank. Could you ever yeah. dream no. that this was no. the life that was coming for you? No, no. <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, so that's September, you know, and, and we have a couple other projects we're, mm-hmm. we're dealing with, and then of course COVID hits, yeah. and uh, and really put us back um, to to what we were doing. Uh, so that's March. Yeah. March COVID second, third week, it starts to yeah. shutdowns happen two weeks later. Yeah. What, what are you seeing? Are you, are you taking this month by month? You have no idea at this point what this is looking like. It's a year's ahead of us. Right. But what did it look like? May, April, May. I remember everything yeah. shut down. Was this scary? It was very scary. And, yeah. and of course, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to be optimistic. Well, this is going to end soon, but it's, yeah. you know, one day goes to the next, the week to the month. Uh, we're closed like everybody from March wow. until June. Yeah. How are we going to help people? Uh, so what we did was we, we switched to trying to do uh, meetings and one-on-one contacts virtually. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know anything about zoom. Nobody uh, did. Nobody did. <laughs> nobody did. Uh, but myself and their staff got really familiar with that. Yeah. And, uh, we were able to through with telephone and, and uh, those virtual. I just want to pause real quick. So this is happening, but you have staff. We have staff. So that's the one thing we didn't mention. So yeah. when this pandemic broke out, you're in full swing. Momentum's happening to the full vision that you, you wanted for this place. You have a staff that's unique though. There's it's the first time, um, you know, it's new CRS programs right, right. and it's a certified recovery specialist. We've talked right. about this on the program before, but um, this is a peer to peer qualification that gives you standard of ethics practice of what can be w- where you are as a paraprofessional. You're not a therapist, but you could meet people where they're at. Right. Most of the staff at this time have that certification, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, we didn't have a lot of paid staff. We were really populated with a lot of volunteers. Yeah, but we did have uh, some some certified recovery specialists. Three actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided um, I better take the training, so I did in the summer of 2019. I had a few other things going on, but I did take the training. You, you told me about it. Yeah. It was great. It, it was, was great. Uh, but I thought, gee, I know everything. What could they possibly tell me? But they they really did. I'll be down in they, the fall to yeah, take it at the recovery. There bank. you go. Okay. I am, I'm coming yeah. down. Great. Great. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, so we had staff and our staff hung with us, our volunteers hung with us. Uh, and we were able to, to, f- in June of 2020 to, to reopen on mm-hmm. a very, 
limited basis, but we really knew that it was essential that we get back to live programming. Yeah, we needed it. Yeah, People so, were hurt, you know, to paint a background yeah. just locally. Um, I was getting calls every two weeks. I'm sober a year now. Um, my life's changing. My mind's coming back. I'm getting calls, guys. I was just getting sober with that were good for nine months. They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. And you're hearing that a lot more recovery banks closed, no in-person contact zoom. It, it, it was dark. It's yeah. not, I'm not, we're not being dramatic. No, it was horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, a zoom and the phone helped. Yes, it uh, did. And there, there definitely were a, a lifeline, but it, it, uh, it, it was not the same. It's you know? not the same. And so we, our vision team, our board got together, our staff and said, look, we, we need to, um, really, uh, develop our COVID protocols here, make it safe for people, mm-hmm. uh, and, but get people in here face to face. And so we were able to do that. We had, yeah. uh, we, 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 ha- one of the things we do at the recovery bank is we have a, a food pantry. Uh, we partner with the Weinberg food yeah. bank and, uh, we had a huge, uh, f- uh, food drive in, in June, in to June, kind of get us back up and going. Yeah. So, just to take a little, I, w- I want to put that under a microscope. I, uh, you know, I have the anxiety anyone else is sharing. Um, I did not want to drink. I'm, I'm starting to feel sober again, but this extra increase of that we're all feeling from COVID. Um, I haven't really, we haven't ventured out outside of our neighborhood walks. This happens. That food, Margie calls me, Margie Durkin. Yeah. And I went down there and picked up a couple other guys and we're handing out food on uh, Wyoming Avenue (laughs) and just that experience of doing something. I I couldn't believe how I was out of the house, but the cars were lined up down the street. People just opening their trunks. Mm -hmm. were putting sweet potatoes, good food, Mm -hmm. like healthy food. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt alive and I was like, Holy God, I haven't been around anyone in person. Yeah. The protocols were wearing masks going in and out of the building. Um, it was awesome. I felt like, oh my God, this is Scranton. This is our recovery community. Um, but that was hubbed because you started the recovery bank. We had a place to do that from. Yeah. It, it, and, and so that day we had 650 people that we served, but we had so many of our volunteers come back and had that yeah. same experience that yeah, you had. Like, oh, life is, life is We're here. here. We're yeah. here. And so with that, you know, we, we started to build back our uh, momentum and programming and, and very carefully though, uh, we have had very strict uh, COVID protocols Sure, that, uh, you know, we sanitized the place. We got lots of help with that Scranton area Mm -hmm. foundation, you know, uh, gave us financial assistance to help with the, you know, the constant sanitizing of the, of the property. We uh, we got plexiglass screens all over the place, uh, masking, social distancing, taking temperatures, having people sign in. But it uh, you adapt it it, quickly. We adapted, and 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 people, you know, struggled with it a little bit. But but uh, you know, we said, look, we we want to stay open. We don't want to have an outbreak. Yeah, people understood. They did. Um, And you you know, you have older volunteers, people at risk that you know have compromised immune systems. Yeah everyone kind of just played ball. It didn't matter right, left politics was always left at the door there. I've been in that room with all types of people and we were talking about one thing. 
recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it really, that's, that's the bottom line for yeah, us. You know, we don't do treatment in the, uh, the, the, the <laughs> clinical sense. We don't yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. We do peer to peer. We do peer to peer. We try to help people navigate their way through our wonderful recovery system in our, in our County. I, let's just, I just want to take a look right today. Like yep. adding all that in peer to peer. What does that mean? Well, so you, you're a place to facilitate and have meetings. You have CRS services. CRSs can help people get in co- contact with not only Medicaid, um, maybe some career services. You have access to a computer lab. You have someone to talk to. Uh, you have food. You have the um, uh, food drives. You have, you've, you've had diaper drives yes. for mothers yeah. and females, yeah. single females uh, that need a safe, protective place to discuss. And then you have yoga acupuncture, cooking classes, um, cooking and recovery. That, that class was so intelligent and thoughtful. It wasn't just, here's the turn it on the stove. What nutrition is for recovery? How can it affect mood? It was amazing. Yeah. I sat there because my wife was upstairs taking yoga <laughs> with Rose. I don't know what it is about that bank and what you did, but when I'm there, you, you don't want to leave because you, I, I'm, there's an invisible magnetism to this is who I am. This is, this, this is something that needs to stay here. Like as a institution that you started, what, what from today, now that you're kind of fully operational, what is the future? Like what, what, what do you want to happen from people in Lackawanna County to keep this, this vision? So I think that the, the, for us, the idea is just keep our eye on the ball of connection and recovery. It's not going to yeah. change. You know, we may add a program here or do a, a something there, but but really that's it. We don't want to deviate. Like there are so many other things we could do and, yeah. you know, the opioid epidemic and prevention and treatment, all stuff uh, that, you know, we know about and we can refer to it and work yeah. with partners. But our focus is on recovery. If you're interested in recovery, we can help you. As you discuss the implications of substance use disorder, the opioid crisis, and its implications on society, culture, and we're just kind of targeting in this discussion, Lackawanna County, you can see how complex just helping is and what lane to pick from harm reduction, legal advocacy, uh, the needs of grandparents raising grandkids, all these unintended consequences of this crisis and addiction. But existentially, if you look at it, it's a cultural and societal response to reality. Addiction emerges. It's your response to reality. Frank, his vision for the recovery bank was connection and acknowledging all paths to recovery, individual paths. As he's starting to clear this path, you could just see by one glance at the recoverybank.org that their lane is clear. And what they're offering is connection in many ways. And it breaks down into three ideas, body, mind, and spirit, how to get involved in this recovery community. Body, nutrition, wellness, exercise, yoga, tai chi, acupuncture, massage therapy, and multiple panel discussions are offered for free at the Recovery Bank. In the mind category, the Recovery Bank has a lending library 
learning labs, life coaches, aptitude testing, financial health, computer skills, seminars, resume and job preparation, GED and college placement. That is substantial right downtown in Scranton. These are serious problems for many people starting their lives over within the first year. Yeah, it's one thing to be sober, but what if I'm sober and can't work? I can't afford to eat, go out, or go to the dentist. Recovery Bank facilitates connections with all these things. Then in the column of spirit, Recovery Bank offers meditation, life drawing, painting, music, movement, poetry, theater arts, dance, and socials to reconnect. On their website, you could also pop right onto their schedule. These aren't just placeholders or marketing. It breaks their entire month's schedule down, and everything I just listed has a class, Monday through Saturday. Um, what he did was create a real resource for Scranton. Um, I'm just looking at the schedule now. It's amazing. So please stop by or visit recoverybank.org. It's one of the best assets our city has for recovery. Yeah. Our certified recovery specialists all have to develop a book of volunteers, people who are in recovery, to connect them with the peer, new, peer. new people that are coming. And that's what we do. You know, uh, Our yeah. programming is designed to, to help that. This kind of lateral, but the same. Do you, do you ever get outreach from family? Family members, maybe that want to are just exploring around there. People who are not recovery but may have a concern. Yeah, does that happen at the recovery? Oh, event? sure, yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, so you know, we do have um, Al-Anon meetings. Okay. We do have a, a codependency track. Uh, we do have a, a meeting once a week, adult children of alcoholics. Yeah, uh, and we also have a, a community and family education program that's once a month. And it has been uh, pretty much virtual yeah. since June up until just recently. Now we're starting to invite people back into. And the, what does the, that do? Like invite them into the language of not only what the disorder model is, but what treatment language would be to yeah. start to. Yeah. Or, or just, uh, you know, we'll invite in our provider partners to talk about their program. So okay. in May, uh, the people from uh, outreach community center are going to come and talk about all of their programming that they have for parenting and families. And, and so they're going to present uh, in June, Tony Quinn, uh, who's, yeah. on, who's uh, my friend and uh, on our treatment court advocacy board yeah. since 2008 uh, has written this book and he's going to present in on June 16th. And it's, I just pushed that for you, Frank. Uh, he was on the podcast. He that came out yesterday. Okay. But on all the attachments that yeah. you could go down, he dropped cases of books Case off. Of books, yeah. um, he'll be doing a and a and the book will always be a resource there yeah. from a, from a great friend of recovery yeah. and a really, really thoughtful book that drops the veil. No cliches. What's the problem with alcoholics when they're not drinking? It's a, it's our relationships right? yeah. and how we connect again with people. Yep. And, and so Tony's, he's actually going to present to what we thought was going to be a small group tonight that there's now 31, 32 people yeah, that are signed gonna up. Be more. Yeah. People are just going to show up. Yeah. You're going to be, yeah. you're going to yeah. be mobbed. Yeah. Um, so, and then first yeah. Fridays, which is an institution in Scranton. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, 
it, it was a renaissance. I love First Friday. Um, and my office used to be downtown and partake. What, what is your role? How do you, how do you participate in the non-recovery community? Yeah. How do you get involved in First Fridays? Yeah, yeah. so we, uh, we uh, pre-COVID and uh, coming out of COVID, we uh, participate. We have wonderful uh, artwork in our facility, yeah. uh, some done by our um, people in recovery in our, in our art uh, studio. Some by friends of ours, uh, Helen Lavelle and her friends. Yeah, have I've come, seen her uh, art uh, down uh, there. Have allowed Very us to display their yeah. art. And then, you know, uh, I'm a, uh, been a uh, jazz, uh, music, blues, all kinds of music fan. So I lean on my friends to come and yeah, perform. Yeah. Uh, we did uh, in April was our actual return to First Friday and Merchants of Groove came on yeah, Friday. Paul Lyon. Paul Lyon did a great job. Gene. He's great. It was so, such energy. And uh, tomorrow night, Young Burgo. Yeah, uh, is I'll like be a, down. Alternative uh, rock. Yeah. Uh, so we have food, we have music, we have art, and we invite the community in. And, uh, and do you find people wander? Like, is oh, that, oh, yeah, we're that on, night's a success? Yeah, we're on the map. People are coming in. We ask them to leave their red party cups outside. Yeah, and, absolutely. And but are, uh, what's the reaction? I just had a curiosity, like, as say a Scranton native walks yeah, in, yeah. has no idea what, what, what's a recovery. Like they might even consider it's a bank for right. people in recovery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you feeling a lot of questions and educating yeah. people that, Hey, no, we're here. This is a hub. Yeah. People are like, what? Uh, well, well, this is too nice to be what we thought. You know, they think of yeah, it. We like, should be in there sharing like a rotten apple. Down in the basement, you know, <laughs> yeah. with a trench coat on or something. But uh, places, we've had people say, people in recovery uh, saying, gee, this is actually too nice. It's We're uncomfortable. It's but we believe we keep it very clean. We keep yeah. it very safe. We keep it very nice. We respect our property. And the the end result is so does everybody else yeah. who's been there. You know, so. Yeah, well, the good thing about recovery, it's not the place. If you hang out there long enough, you'll realize you can feel comfortable anywhere. That's yeah. it's, it's a horrible yeah. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I want to go back real quick. Art. You said yeah. art. You have an art studio, right? We have an art studio. There's um, art classes. There's art classes. So and what do they cost? So they're free. All of our programming is free. All of it's way. free. We're grant funded. Yeah. Um, all of it's free. Uh, we have... Uh, collaborations with Marywood university and with the university of Scranton, the Wright center has an art therapy program. So their art therapy students yeah. or art therapy staff come and provide uh, classes uh, for anybody really. And it's free. Yeah. Um, now does someone have to be in recovery to take? No, no, this is no. So, um, you know, of course, most of the people that are there are in recovery. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, we think that, uh, you know, art, uh, visual art, music, all that stuff helps. It heals. Uh, it, heals. it heals. Well, you're alive again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know the end of addiction. Yeah. It's, it's not a real adventure. It's it's pretty much the same. Yeah. It's, it's distress. I don't know the adventure of sobriety all the time. And a lot of it involved me going down that June. Yeah. It woke me up out of the pandemic. This is the first time I felt all right after the pandemic was being in the recovery bank. Looking around, there's 12 people stacking sweet potatoes <laughs> and food and proteins. And I'm thinking, we're, we're good. maybe we'll be all right. <laughs> we had pallets of food that I know. Delivered and, and good, excellent 
yeah. quality food, and we were able to distribute that. So uh, we still have our food uh, pantry, and we still do our food uh, drives. Yeah. Um, so, Frank, the Recovery Bank, after a long uh, career as an, yeah. a, an attorney, yeah. an advocate yeah. for recovery, did you ever think – like life would be this fulfilling. Like, um, it's, it is pretty amazing. You know, yeah. and I still, I'm happy to say I'm after 43 years, I'm still practicing law. And yes. I'm very involved yeah. in my practice. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but the opportunity to be part of treatment court advocacy center, the recovery bank, we, uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, we're looking at, we, we ended up purchasing the building by the way. Oh yeah. We didn't get, we didn't get to the, we, we purchased the building in, uh, April of That's 2021, uh, you know, our board said, look, we, 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 we yeah. could use that space. It's vacant. How are we going to pay for it? And eh, it'll work out. We, we, uh, with our friends from Fidelity Bank, yeah. we're able to uh, obtain a mortgage. They're a great team. Uh, yeah. There. And uh, so we are in the process now of, of kind of renovating the space. And our plan is to develop the third and fourth floor. It's about 20,000 square feet into yeah transitional housing for women, women with children yeah. in the court system. So you uh, are meeting an unbelievable need. And I think that could sustain that institution there for decades yeah. to come. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I did not know that. Yeah. And you know, that is the need yeah. that, and you know, we're seeing that need bypassed a lot of times because of, you know, a great industry that came up to help us a drug and alcohol treatment. Yeah. But you're seeing real niche niches now, uh, from luxury treatment to this and that. And one need that is we we need across the country is women, yeah. safe place to live, Medicare, Medicare. Yeah. Oh, that is great. Yeah. So the so the transitional housing space, <clears throat> it's not going to be the work release center. It's, no, uh, no, it's a safe space. Yeah, uh, women uh, with their children can live in uh, these apartments that we're going to create and receive. Uh, parenting support right cool. there in the building and they can come downstairs to get recovery skills at the recovery bank. Um, we can lock out the, the, uh, the uh, influences that kind of, yeah. you know, sack them before they can get their yeah. feet on the ground. And because that's been our challenge, even though we at the treatment court advocacy have been able to help with rent and financing out in the community. It's just just because of uh, abusive yeah. uh, spouses yeah. and boyfriends and drug dealing and they don't have uh, the safety. They don't. They don't really get a fair shake. So we think this is is going to fill a need, as you say. Uh, it's yeah. it's it's what enlightenment and civilized life looks like. Uh, you know, there's always this gilded age. I, I, the way I grew up, and I I could only make an assumption for you is what we hear about. What was the great time of Scranton? Well, it wasn't that great. There was industry, but there was an entire mile long red light district <laughs> distress needs of, and of being met. And here to see Scranton, I, I see enlightenment civilization. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have that recovery bank live here to see this vision come true. Yeah. I'd love to have you back and, and talk more. Sure. Maybe we'll do, we'll do maybe a live uh, yeah. down there. Love to do it. I would yeah. love, to, so. love to do it. Come and see our space. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, see our new space. That's I haven't been yet yeah, down you know, upstairs. I, I'll, yeah. I'll be down tomorrow for yeah. the recovery bank. Good, but good. let's chat again because right. uh, this is an asset. Yeah, thank you so much for 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 doing this and Always. allowing me to come on. I'm here Appreciate to serve, it. man. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Frank. Thank you. 
I'd like to thank you for listening to another episode of All Better. You can find us on allbetter.fm or listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Alexa. Special thanks to our producer, John Edwards, an engineering company, 570 Drone. Please like or subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you're not on social media, you're awesome. Looking forward to seeing you again. And remember, just because you're sober doesn't mean you're right. Hi, this is Joe Van Wee, your host of All Better. I had a few announcements. If you're interested in subscriber content, which we're about to launch, this would be step workshops, cognitive behavioral therapy tools, and mindfulness practices that are approachable and can be very useful in reducing anxiety, rumination, and depression. Please send us a a message on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And if you like the episodes that you've been hearing very much, please stop by Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and a small review. This helps us stay relevant in the field of content and helping people and their families with substance use disorder. Thank you.